Sports Saturday. It's complete. Another touchdown. Cougar Sports Saturday. Saturday. A presentation of KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Left wing for three. He got it again. BYU Sports Talk by Cougar fans for Cougar fans. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte. On Utah's legacy home of the Cougars. KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome on in and Merry Christmas, Cougar fans. Excited to be here with you today on this Saturday before Christmas. Mitch Harper, Matt Biamonte. It's Cougar Sports Saturday every week, noon to three, here on your legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. So much to unpack. It's timely, Matt. Is how people are going to be hopefully unpacking a lot of gifts and un- unwrapping things and enjoying their holiday season. But we appreciate you being with us. BYU football talk, BYU basketball talk. It's going to be a fun show. Going to be a great show. And unlike other syndicated shows, we're going live. We're bringing you new content <laughs> during the holidays. None of this rerun stuff. We're bringing you the goods. Because, look, in the, in today's sports, Mitch, especially football, There's a lot of happening this time of year. It's not like college football of yesteryear where we're sitting on the couch, we're eating, I don't know, what what do you eat during bowl season of of yesteryear? Pizza? Wings? I I feel like it was pizza. It was probably probably a little Caesars. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Hot and ready. Dude, their stuffed crust with the uh, Crazy Bread seasoning on the rim, highly recommend. Anyways, just uh, talking food during the holidays. <laughs> I don't know why, but food in the holidays. We were at BYU basketball practice earlier in the week on Thursday, and we're just slamming crumble cookies and just enjoying it. It's like, just it tastes better in the holidays. Let's just keep eating. It does. <laughs> I'm not starting any diets or any changes to my lifestyle until January 2. The holidays is a lot about the food. That's right. But, you know, we digress. We could talk food for, uh, for a long time. And just to tease, our lead interview, our, our top interview today, Kalani Satake, I get into quite a bit of food talk with him, his in-home visits. The man was enjoying himself some food this this uh, this month. So, signing day, a lot to get to today's show. Yeah, we'll, we'll have Kalani in a little bit and interviews with many of the new football players. But, Mitch, let's start things off with breaking down that early signing day. The leadoff. A look at the stories making headlines right now. It's time for the leadoff on Cougar Sports Saturday. All right, Mitch, you're the recruiting guru. You were you come out of the womb interested in recruiting. What do you make of this early signing day period for BYU football? I thought this was a really good class for BYU, and I think it's the one where there might be enough here, Matt, to to feel like you can rewrite a little bit of the the optimism and the potential of this team in 2024, especially on the defensive side. Uh, the effort that was placed on that defensive side with the defensive line, it was significant. These additions, I just feel like you are going to see improved success on the pass rush because you've got so many options. You know, in years past, you think to when they signed Isaiah Moa or you go back farther back, Troy Hines back in the day, it was like one guy, he's got to save the the pass rush. One guy's got to do it. This class, you can point to seven, eight guys that can generate a pass rush. You're bound to hit on one or two, I would think. Not all of them are going to be bust, I would think. So uh, there's a lot more options. And Jay Hill, Kelly Papinga, Justin Enna, Gerald Guilford, they were outstanding in, in closing. And it was a strong finish. You'd look at the recruiting rankings and say, well, it's still only 60th. It's still only 10th best in the Big 12. But it's a bump and a step in the right direction for from where BYU was. And I think that this is going to be 
a pretty good recruiting class for BYU. You noted on the defensive line, and that was uh, an obvious takeaway, just how many options there are. I love that. For me, the biggest takeaway was they made an emphasis on in-state recruiting, and I think that's going to pay off down the road because that's not something that you can just do once or twice and expect it to carry over. But you have to continually stack it up. And I like the emphasis they put on that because the state, man, the state's been producing quality football talent for a long time. When you and I graduated back in the mid-2000s, it wasn't a recruiting hotbed. Look, I graduated with Preston Hadley. He got no recruiting options out of high school. I, I, I mean, I was friends with the guy in high school at Pleasant Grove. and No one was coming by Pleasant Grove High School when I was there. And they've been putting guys into, into the college ranks. And they're... That, the story at Pleasant Grove is similar to, I think, a lot of high school. Springville, that had an, an emphasis on this recruiting class for BYU. There's quality talent, and I love that this group put an emphasis on it because there were some there were some battles, man. There were some battles with Utah. There were battles with other teams. And for BYU to have won a lot of those battles, I think is something that you can build upon. Because in my eyes, Mitch, you, you touched on this as well, you know, 10th in the Big 12, middle of the pack, not going to rewrite the record book, sure, whatever. But if you can continue to put an emphasis on this to where you're getting, I don't know, five, six top 10 in-state guys a year, that is going to build up over time and help out with the recruiting ranking. So I'm with you, love the defensive emphasis, but I also love the in-state emphasis because there were too many guys in the past that had BOU connections that were going out of state or going right up I-15 to that other school. This particular class, a lot of guys staying here at BYU. I think that's big now and down the road. And I think it shows the potential of this defensive staff and offensive staff, what they can do collectively with the Big 12 arming them. You think about Jay Hill. He really, this recruiting cycle, there's probably, I know it was a full calendar year, but how much the recruiting calendar has moved up he really had about six months to work with because the early signing period has moved everything up to where the summertime is the key focus of what you're going to form on signing day, what happened earlier this week. And you know, to do what Jay Hill did and this defensive staff was pretty remarkable. And some of the names that, that really popped for, for this defensive side of the class, Therian Alexander, the, the third cornerback, six foot two, 165 pounds. Kelly Papinga, last December when he was hired, said he wanted to make the state of Georgia a top priority in recruiting. And you, think, you hear that and you go, this is BYU, they're going into the Peach State? Well, I think he, he understood that that is a state that's becoming a huge recruiting hotbed. Atlanta is massive. There's tons of, uh, of football talent. And in the West, we're seeing more of a shift to where schools are making like – California is still going to be a thing, but the, the participation numbers in football out in California are diminishing. You're seeing more increased numbers in states like Utah and states like Georgia. There's younger kids that are growing up where they have their whole lives, where they're focusing on football, and it's creating this culture of high-level, high-intense play where there's a lot of resources backing them. They could be guys that come into a program and compete right away. Therian Alexander III is someone that I think could be seeing time next year because after Jacob Robinson, yeah, there's options at cornerback, but I don't, I'm not ready to anoint someone and say he's the starter next to Jacob Robinson. At cornerback, if you're a guy, you're going to play. Like, I just feel like he's someone that's got good size, but he's also got a high-level production skill set. There's far too often there were guys that had a similar makeup of 6'2", 165, 
but there was really no film next to their name at the high school ranks. This was one of the top cornerbacks in the state of Georgia. That's the type of profile you want to get. And if this kid has success at BYU, I got to think that opens some doors down the road in the state of Georgia. That was a noteworthy addition for BYU. And I like the late announcement and commitment of Keeney Fonohema. Uh, you know, I think he's a guy under the previous staff you probably don't get. No question. But with Jay Hill and with Kelly Papinga, their dedication to recruiting and the, the message they're selling about what defense they want to build, I think they were able to flip some guys. You know, a, another guy. If you don't have Jay Hill, do you get Asiata? I don't. I don't think no. you do. So those are big wins in state for guys that in previous years would not have come to BYU. Well, and Kelly Papinga can go into a room now and say, you know, hey Fred Warner, the the best linebacker in the NFL. I I recruited that guy. I identified him when he was a high school kid. And I coached him at BYU, and Kalani did too. But Kelly Papinga was at the grassroots of Fred Warner. He was also key in getting Sione Takitaki. He had studs at Virginia too. I Kyle mean, Van Noy, he developed him. Kelly Papinga, man, he is legit. And, you know, I always think about this. BYU is just a unique place because you think of, like, assistant coaches in a different breath than maybe other schools do. But – Kelly Papinga, Jay Hill, they're the type of guys that could lead this program one day. Yep. I mean, like, I think Kalani's the perfect man for the job, and we'll have him on the show a little bit later. But these are the type of guys that fit BYU perfectly. They can recruit to this place. And I think it's promising that on the heels of a terrible season that you could still close and get quality prospects. Kenny Fonohema, six foot five, two ten. Last year, he is a lock to go to Utah. A lock. He even told me that it was hard to turn down the Utes because they have such a proven track record with getting the linemen to the league. Now, BYU's, I think, had more stars in the NFL as of late, but the the consistency over two decades rests on the D-line at Utah. And, you know, they, they just had a pipeline, but that was a kind of underrated shift for BYU to, to get Fonahema because guess what? BYU and Utah are in the same playing field now. And Utah, they maybe have maybe a little bit deeper pockets in the collective or at least a willingness to spend. I think people undersell the the resources BYU has, but a willingness Utah has. But at the same time, you go, you can't sell conference anymore over BYU. No. And BYU then brings, oh, you're an LDS kid. Why not come here? Why not be at BYU where you play on a great stage? You have a fan base that cares 365. Like, again. That's why we're doing the show. I mean, Cougar Sports Saturday. Cougar fans are legit. And... And then you can be with that. And, and look, I, I just think that Fonohema is a really good get. And I think that this, this whole class, all 27 guys, there's, there's some interesting pieces to this group. Let's continue to break down this class and maybe talk about some positions that could still use some work via the portal on the other side. And then at 1230, the head ball coach, Kalani Satake, he had a great conversation with Mitch Harper. You'll hear that at the bottom of the hour. We're taking our first break. Merry Christmas. Thanks for spending some time with us. Cougar Sports Saturday, powered by KSLSports.com.